Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Don't worry, I'm not going to hold him the entire time for everyone that's worried right now. Like, is he going to survive? I just want everyone to see our little buddy because we feel so... Yeah, you can cheer. Can you say hi? He's like, what's going on? We feel so connected to this church. I will say, I just want to start off by honoring Presence OC and yes, the moms in this place and but the anointing on this place to carry the mother's heart to Orange County. Because I remember when my husband and I, long story short, one of our leaders and circuit writers named Andy Bird, they had a high school girl drop a baby off at their house in Kona, Hawaii. And they went, oh, what are we going to do? They had a choice to go, we're either going to take this baby in. Sorry, hang on. Don't pull my shirt down. Um, <laughs> we are either going to take this baby in or we're not. And it was just in the busyness of ministry, in the busyness of life, they went, no, we're going to take this baby in. But what it did in YWAM and Circuit Riders is it catalyzed a foster and adoption movement. Because we went, if our busiest leader, Andy Bird, can do this, we can do it. But we're not in Kona, Hawaii. We're in Southern California. So when my husband and I started going, we feel called to this. We need to do it. We had no idea where to go. We had no idea where to start. And we were flipping through Instagram one day, and we literally saw... Presence OC, hosting, foster and adoption, meeting after Sunday church. I don't even think we'd been here yet. I knew Nicole, and but so we'd heard about it. We loved it. We had so much honor for this place. But you guys gave us a place to come when we felt the calling of God. And I just went, there are few churches doing that to where you can hear the Lord, but it's one thing to hear and obey. Do you know what I mean? Where I think sometimes we can get stuck in a rut and we, we wanted to obey, we just didn't know the right route, and we just went, Lord, help us. And I remember we sat over there, and I think it was me, Chase, and two other girls, and Nicole came over, and they had a county worker here. And then through your church, we got connected with Olive Crest, which is the agency that we're now with. And then we got approved December 4th and picked him up December 21st. And it's just been, yeah, it's been a wild, amazing journey, but... I just wanted you guys to be able to see him, see the faithfulness of God, but also, I'm gonna hand him to my husband, but to see the calling and the anointing on this house, on this church, to see kids in homes and see parents be able to parent like they never have before, I think there's something God's doing in this region, and I think revival, we obviously know there's so much revival history in Orange County, but I feel like what's going to mark this next move is it's going to be so action-driven that culture can't help but be transformed into the kingdom of God, and so... I'm opening my computer, not because I have a really great sermon, but because I am the master bunny trailer, and I really did feel like God said a few things, so I'm going to pull this up, and this is great, too, because I was going to print it out, but then our printer ran out of ink, and you're just like, whatever, I'm just going to load my computer up there. Here we go. But I'm just going to pray one more time, and Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. You're already here, but we just ask for your word to just explode in this place this morning. I ask every heart would just begin to feel the fire of God, the holiness of your spirit, the wind of your spirit. Lord, we just ask that you would just come in spirit and in truth. 
We just ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to fall on us right now in Jesus' name. I just so agree when worship, it's just we do, we want more, we want more, we want more, we want more, we want more. God, I just surrender every idea and thought I even have. God, we just want you this morning. We want whatever you have to say. God, come activate our hearts, come catalyze our hearts in Jesus' name, amen. So yes, like I said, we are so grateful for this church and so grateful for all the moms in this place. I know we've already honored the moms and prayed for them, but just wanna say again, moms, you're amazing. I remember I texted, I'm a new mom, just became a mom, foster mom in December, and then, so he's five months old and we're four and a half months pregnant. <laughs> so, you know, God is good. It was a surprise pregnancy and it was a surprise. We, I remember a great story is, I was like, I know we're not pregnant, but I had been feeling so weird. So Chase was actually on the campus tours. I'm home with Parker, and I'm like, I'm just gonna take a pregnancy test just to know I'm not pregnant. So I take the pregnancy test, and it's like clearly two lines. I didn't read the box, so I was like, oh good, it's a no. It's like so bold, two lines. I'm not pregnant. <laughs> so relieved. And so then I'm like, I'm gonna take another one just in case. Two lines, so bold, there it is. So I'm like, whew, good, not pregnant. Like three hours later, I read the box, and I was like, oh no, two lines. I was like, Oh, man, and I'm home alone with Parker, and I'm like, what do I do? So I FaceTime Chase. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, and if you know anything about Carry the Love Circuit Riders, our campus tours are not tours like you think. There's no tour bus. Our guys are driving in cars through the night, sleeping on floors, sleeping in host homes to take the gospel to college campuses. So most of the time when you call or FaceTime someone, they're in a car driving from place to place. That takes up majority of the time. So I call Chase on FaceTime. Sure enough, he's in the car. I'm like, yeah, how much longer do you have on this drive? He's like, two hours. I'm like, so you're not gonna be alone for a while? He's like, no. So I'm like, what do I do? Like, I have to tell him. I'm like bursting at the seams, like we're pregnant and we have, at the time, not even a month old baby, you know? And he was just turning, he had just turned a month. So I'm like, okay, what do I do? Do I wait? So I'm like, nah, I'm gonna text him. So I text him a picture of the pregnancy test and he said, did you just text me that we're pregnant? And I was like, I did, I'm so sorry. I had to tell you, and you're in a car for two more hours with people, and I didn't want to tell them all at the same time. So it was a really great, awesome story, but we feel so great by the faithfulness of God, but we feel so connected to this church because you guys catalyzed a giant yes in our lives to say yes to foster care and adoption. So we just want to say thank you and honor you guys, and we are so thrilled to see what's going to come out of this church because faith without works is dead. Like, for real. It's, it's actually real. I think one, one thing I get so excited about in this next move of God is I'm like, it's gonna be spirit and truth. I think the word of God is gonna be so illuminated. In this next move of God, we're gonna actually believe what it says. We're gonna actually go, oh, this is so real. Everything Jesus said is actually real. He said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And you can kinda make up what you think Jesus' commandments are, but it's right there in the fine print. It's all in the gospels, it's the Beatitudes, it's the Sermon on the Mount, it's there, and it's not about perfection. Jesus never called us to perfection. He just called us to wholeheartedness. 
We obviously can see that in David's life. A man gripped with some difficulties and falling in sin, falling in sexual sin, killing a guy to hide his sexual sin. Like if someone was doing that that we knew now, we'd be like, they're gone, they're gone. So sad, so sad. Do you know what I mean? But no, he's like major, major prophet, whatever you wanna call it, like such a reflection of the heart. And it's the heart of David is things we hear all the time. And it's because he was a man after God's own heart. Does that make sense? So it's like, that's what God's requiring. That's what he's asking. And not even requiring, that's what we're all feeling for this next move of God. It's like, hey, I can't be perfect. I can't live a standard of perfection. I know that, God knows that. But I will live a life of wholeheartedness and let his spirit lead me from glory to glory to glory and in sanctification. Okay, I wanna read, yes, I wanna read something fun about this day 30 years ago, or it was in 1980. So this, on Mother's Day about 30 years ago, is the anniversary of the outpouring of the Spirit that gave birth to a very powerful revival that went out to the nations and affected many lives. This was known by many people as the third wave revival. 30 years ago, John Wimber uh, had Lonnie Frisbee come share his testimony for a service which had happened to be on Mother's Day. Lonnie Frisbee had previously been the instrumental evangelist in the Jesus People Revival, a movement which had given rise to the growth of the Calvary Chapel churches and revival, as well as being an evangelist, a leading evangelist church. So Frisbee had also led the now well-known evangelist Greg Laurie to the Lord, if you didn't know that. It's just so awesome. I'm gonna pause there. Like these outreaches to the pier, these outreach, you never know. I know we have a song about it, but we have a song about it because I believe it, that your simple obedience really can change history. The word I felt today when I started praying, I was like, God, I don't wanna bring a good word or anything. I wanna know what you're saying to this church. I wanna know what you're saying to these people, that they would leave with a deeper sense of activism, knowing I know what God is saying. And the word I kept hearing was, the catalyst anointing is coming upon you more than ever before. And that can be, yeah, amen. That can be a buzzword in, you know, catalyst, the catalyst school. Come to the catalyst this, da 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 So I'm like, Lord, what is, like, I just go, what does that mean for this church? The actual definition of a catalyst is a substance that increases the rate of a chemical reaction without itself undergoing any chemical change or a person or a thing that precipitates an event that pushes it forward without changing anything. I have to believe your prayers and your cries for revival are about to tip over into an acceleration no one here is ready for, but that's the way God wants it because then only he can lead it. So I just, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm gonna keep reading. Okay, so um, he, uh, Lonnie Frisbee led Greg Laurie to the Lord, discipled him, and of course he started a church we're all well, well aware of. So all Frisbee did was just basically share his testimony, which was nothing unusual. What happened afterwards was what turned things on their head. Straight after his testimony, Frisbee began to invite the Holy Spirit to move and the Spirit of God began to be poured out in a radical way. 
Literally, that's it. People who had never spoken in tongues began to speak in tongues. And if you read about what happened on Mother's Day in 1980, you know that even John Wimber was a little bit like, ugh, I'm frustrated. Like, why'd you do this? Like, now you're causing an uproar. But it sparked something. The Mother's Day outpouring sparked a revival that continued at full throttle. The church in your Belinda, it tripled in size because people encountering and wanting God that's going to be the greatest form of evangelism we're stepping into in this day is Jesus breaking out in signs, wonders, miracles that lead people to salvation, that lead people to who Jesus is. Because sometimes, you know, our own fear can get in the way. We can go, that person has a broken leg. I'm going to go pray for them. So you go pray for them and they're like, do you feel anything? Yeah, I kind of feel something. And we're like, amazing. And it's like, oh, Let's keep praying, but then let's share the gospel with them. Like healing is a doorway to the testimony of Jesus. And so when I was reading about Southern California history and Lonnie Frisbee sharing his testimony, I went, man, how simple is it that God simply wants the gospel to go out in Southern California like never before, like never before. And so... Um, the unexpected outpouring of the Spirit way back on Mother's Day in a high school gym, in a high school gym. What I love about that is like, we're in a club building right now. You know what I mean? It's like God's breaking our boxes of what's possible, of what's, what's, what he's capable of and where we've put God in a box. So the main thing I felt was there was a catalyst anointing coming on this church there's an acceleration coming where the lost are gonna be drawn. Why? Because a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. I felt like, this, obviously the scripture, we all know Matthew 5, 14. I felt like God said last night, look up the message version, and this is what I'm saying over this church. It says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be a light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bears, you don't think I'm gonna hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I put you there, now that I put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep your house open. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father is in heaven. And I just went, that is so the DNA of Presence OC. When I read this, I went, I love this. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be a light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. God is not a secret to be hidden. He's, he's meant to burst out. And so one thing I was like just praying, going, all right, God, like this is amazing. Like I really believe the word for this morning for you guys is it's coming. It's coming. And I don't even know to the degree of what you've been asking for and what you've been crying out for. And I feel like what God's doing now is equipping you with like, hey, we may not get it, we may not understand it because only God does, but we wanna be ready. And I felt like there were three things that it's almost like, you know how we can have faith, 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 and we think unbelief is the opposite of faith. But we think unbelief is like, you know, the Israelites had unbelief in their hearts and, you know, it's like they're going through the desert and we all see their hardness of heart. But sometimes unbelief can hide and we don't realize it's hiding and that when we're operating in faith, it's almost like the catalyst 
So the catalyst, that, that momentum, it's like, you know, we have this teaching in our, it's called Brave Love. It's these women Bible studies we do where it's like, watch out for the inhibitor. <laughs> and it's not a person. It's our battle's not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. So if you're thinking of someone in your head right now, you need to stop and go, my battle's not against that person. Like, no way. It's like, no, it's against powers of darkness and principalities. And I feel like the Lord wants to uncover some ways unbelief has been hiding. And it could look like this. Hey, guys. Well, like Nicole. It, she always is blowing me up about a building. Like, we've got to get a building. And it's like, unbelief can look like this. Do we really need that? Do we really? I, I just, I don't know. Like, we're okay. And then, and then you start to question yourself. And I just feel like God wants to uncover every way unbelief has been hiding itself and set people free of discouragement, set people free of where there are dreams. You almost feel like it's been squashed a little bit. And God wants to pull, pull your faith to the surface this morning like never before. So a few things on faith. Surrender is the doorway to faith. One of my absolute favorite stories in the Bible. And it happens to be that it's Mother's Day, so this is very convenient, is about Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's 14, 15, not married, like has every reason to be embarrassed, want to hide in shame, want to not tell anyone, to be angry, afraid. When an angel comes to her and says, hey, you're going to have Jesus. You know this Messiah everyone's been prophesying about? You know this guy? Well, guess what? You're going to carry him. The Holy Spirit's going to put him inside of you. You're the chosen one. Like, that is like for me a permission slip for her to go like, no way, can't do it, won't do it, this is crazy, I'm going to be rejected by my family, I'm going to be rejected by my fiance, by everything I know. But that's not how she responds. She says, I'm a bond servant of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. And I remember the first time I read that, when I, after I had surrendered my life to Christ, I went, that's Christianity. <laughs> I was like, that type of surrender where God could bring something so audacious in front of someone, so out of the box, like things that would even break a holiness standard. Do you know what I mean? And he puts this in front of her and she says, I'm a bondservant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Not my will, but yours be done. It mirrors Jesus' response to the Father in the garden where it's, let this cup pass for me, nonetheless, not my will, but yours be done. Surrender is the doorway to living a life of activated faith. Because what happens is when we're not living a life of surrender, we have faith with our own entitlements. Does that make sense? So I know that can seem so like, what? But when we're not postured in a place of Jesus being in lordship of our lives and saying, you are king of my heart, you are everything, I surrender everything, I give it all. If that's not the foundation, like I know what I've been rescued from, the wages of my sin was death, and Jesus stepped on the scene and rescued me from eternal sin, from eternal death, like that's such good news, like that's the best news ever, there's a reason why it's called good news, it's like, because it is the best news. If you're not living in that place of here I am, now have me, you lead my life, you're the good shepherd, then what happens is we come from a place of going, it's still me a little bit on the throne. And so when we're operating in faith with entitlements, it always feels off. 
And I, I, I know this from my own experience, <laughs> from my own life of going, something's off, or man, I'm, it's not really happening like I thought it would. And every time, 100% of the time, it's like I get back to that place of surrender. Because in that place of surrender, what does it do? You relinquish fear of man. You relinquish the things that come against your mind, that come against your heart. And it's in that place of surrender, you also don't have fear of the future. Which I feel like that is just so something to go after in our generation. And this generation is like fear of the future. Because everything is so, it can, we can easily slip into things being so me-driven. Me, 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 me. Oh, what about me? My destiny. My calling. Ah, ah. And there's like thousands of kids that need homes. And you're like, my destiny. And you're like. I don't know your destiny. I just know the need, and I know what Jesus would be doing if he was walking on earth right now. And so it's like, yes, sometimes we go, we wait. I just need this big prophetic word. My best friend, her name's Krista. Her and her husband moved to Nepal, and someone wanted to do this interview with them, like, what was the big encounter you had that you moved to Nepal? And what they're doing there is honestly incredible. They're seeing so much fruit. Teams are coming. It's amazing. And in this, in this interview, he says, I actually just read my Bible, and then I looked up where one of the hardest places was, and so that's why we came here. And it was like, yeah, that's legit. Like, I was, like, literally watching it. Like, I love that it's that simple. Sometimes we can be, like, so complicated that we're, like, waiting for the next big God moment when he's like, oh, I'm just trying to like fulfill the last 10 big God moments I gave you, the last 10 big words. And so I feel like in, this, in, in what God's saying in this, faith also looks like rest. We know all throughout scripture, faith and rest are linked. But faith of going, God, I'm gonna believe what you said. So going back to if you love me, you keep my commandments. If you feel stuck this morning, like I don't know what to do, return to simplicity. Return to the simplicity of waking up, loving God, and loving people. I'm being so real because I'm telling you, taking in a foster kid destroyed my life in the best way possible. I was so busy. I mean, for a month, I was like, Chase, I am depressed. I cannot get on a plane. I have to get court approval to go somewhere. My life just changed. I'm called to the nations. I can't do this. And I just remember my only option was to die to myself. My, that was it. There was no other option. What, go give him back? Listen, this didn't really work out for me. So I'm gonna just take him back to the NICU and bless you guys. Call someone else. Um, now I'm gonna continue with my big ministry <laughs> over here, you know, and it was, it became so real, like so, I just felt like this morning, like I just have to share my story and be real of like sometimes your gritty yes to simply obey the commands of God will disrupt your comfort zone and disrupt your life, but let it disrupt your life. And then literally when we got pregnant, I'm gonna be so honest, I didn't tell anyone for like two weeks because I was not excited. I was like, no, God, I already died to myself with one baby, and I was going to wait like five years before we did this again, and now basically, I'm in a grave of mommy land. Bye. 
everyone, see you later. I was like, this was never the plan. This was never my dream. This was, and I'm being, I just have to be raw with you guys. Like sometimes I feel no mom shame in being honest with you guys. Like I just have to be real so I can tell you how I've met God in this and how your simple obedience can change history and how faith, Faith is not just a good Christianese word. It's a real tangible substance that can lead us from one place to the next. And God wants to pour it out, but you have to surrender your life. You have to give him lordship. And that might mean dying to things sometimes, but the other side of it is so much joy. Because then I look at this baby, and I remember one time, I was looking at him, and I started crying, and I looked at Chase. And I was like, it's so funny how selfishness is such a blinder. Because I'm like, I know, they explained to me where he would have gone had we not gone and picked him up. There's not enough families approved right now for every baby in the NICU to go into a family. And I just went, what if we wouldn't have said yes? And I just looked at Parker, I know he can't understand me, but I believe his spirit, and I was like, I will lay down any stage and any microphone, I'll lay down any platform to see real discipleship break out in kids who will never have an opportunity to have it. And it just changed my life. It changed my mind. It changed the way I saw things. Guys, it's not, right now we associate the hero with the person who has the microphone in the church. We associate the hero with the person who has the cool platform and all these ministries. And I'm telling you, God's redefining the hero in this hour. It's the everyday person who's just like, I want Jesus. I want to live like Jesus. And I want to see the world around me affected by this love I've been infected by. Does that make sense? Sorry, I was like, I, when Nicole asked me to speak, I, I, was, I literally thought, oh, she probably meant worship, she, so I should double check with her. And then she's like, no, no, speak. And I was like, oh, okay. And I just, as I was thinking this week, I'm like, my only, all I can bring to you is what I've learned in scripture, but then how it's been real in my own life. And I was like, I can't afford to just stand up there and not be real and be like, hey, you know what? God bless you. It's Mother's Day. Let's talk about all the moms in the Bible today which would be awesome if that's what God said to do, but I didn't feel that. But, um, you know, and I just, I think if I could give you one thing to leave with is let the Lord define what a hero is in your life. And it is the, it's the everyday common believer taking up their yes and that being the most heroic thing because you have no idea. You have no idea what that will change. You have no idea what that will shift in someone's life. Oh, so... I feel like for this church, God is bringing a fresh wind of faith, a a faith that strikes a match that adds to the already existing fire that's here. And of course, we know the inhibitor to all this is unbelief, and unbelief is rooted in not believing who God says he is and what God has said over your life. That's the core issue. You know, the Israelites just went, you know, thank you, God, you're taking us to the promised land. But, you know, they're kind of like, uh, we, know, we don't actually know if he's going to take us to the promised land. You know, we can read the Old Testament. And we're like, how could they not know? Like, why did unbelief so hard in their hearts? You know what I mean? Um, one scripture also, First uh, Corinthians 2. And I, when I came to you, brothers, this is Paul speaking, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. 
and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but the power of God. I'm like, that's the faith I wanna cry out for, that my faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but the power of God. <laughs> that my faith would not rest in what other people think about me or other people's opinions about me, but in the power of God. I don't know about you, but I think America's due for a real outbreak of power. And I'm not talking about power like we may think, you know, let's, it, let's line everyone up and I'm gonna touch you and everyone's gonna fall down. Why, that might be a way God does it. I've seen that and it's powerful. I think the power of God is going to break out like we've never seen before to where every paradigm we have for how the power of God breaks out, it is gonna be that and more. And it's gonna be that plus so much more because I really, I, again, I don't wanna be that cheesy person that's like quoting my songs, but I believe. I wouldn't sing it unless I believed it. So it's like, I really do think that being driven by love. And I think this whole album, when we were writing these songs, I was in such a wrestle because I was like, I don't know what I want to write about. I don't, because God was burning the idol of ministry in my life. And all these songs were basically a resolve of like, no, I'm going to be driven by love. It's okay if I never get this or that or all these things that I thought was the fulfillment of God in my life. Do you know what I mean? And then things don't happen the way you think they're going to happen. And, but at the end of the day, it's like, I have love and I have him and I'm driven by his love. And so I am living in a fullness that I can only find by touching eternity. And that's why it's like we say there's a yes in our heart. It carries through eternity. Simple obedience changes history. So one thing I just want to touch really quick. I thought this was so interesting. I was thinking about what catalysts in the Bible really have marked my life. And one of them is Deborah. We know the story of Deborah. It's in Judges 4 and 5. We know Israel is in oppression. Sisera, he is destroying things. He's taking women. He's raping them. It's, it's horrible what's happening. And Deborah hears of what's happening, and she's like, whoa. And she literally says to herself, wake up, wake up. She engages her will. She comes out of whatever. She's like, S I don't care who's in slumber. If it's me, if it's you, it doesn't matter. Someone needs to wake up and take care of what's happening in Israel. And I feel like that's part of what God's saying today is there's been this, an unbelief has been trying to hide in the, in the place of slumber. Maybe you've been feeling like, I feel depression in a weird way like I never have before. I feel really lonely like I never have before. And yes, I totally, guys, I believe in counseling, I do counseling, I believe in therapy, I do therapy, but sometimes you need to engage your will and say, whoa, wake up, wake up, like, I'm asleep, like, we're sleeping, we're sleeping, the enemy's trying to get us to just doze off so we will not be aware of what's happening around us because we are the, the conduit of heaven, we are like carrying his glory and carrying an answer for so many things. So I was, I was looking at this last night going, man, she was a catalyst. She really rose up and she even caused, when she said yes, it caused everyone else to rise up too. And so everyone's like, let's go to battle. Let's do this thing. Deborah awakened herself. She literally said, wake up, wake up, Deborah, wake up, sing a song. And so when, with determination and commitment to follow God in his every word, and then we all know everyone goes to war they go in, and then this was the part I was like, oh my goodness, I think this is 
the word, because it's the 12 tribes go to battle, right? But then you notice there's really only eight of the tribes that are engaging in the battle. So you're like, well, where's the other four? You know what I mean? So then you look, and I, uh, our leaders and circuit writers are amazing. They've done an in-depth study of Deborah and her life. So I'm going over their notes last night going, God, what do you want to say this morning? And I thought this was so interesting. Four tribes were not in the battle of the story of Deborah. Three of the tribes were actually called out for why they weren't there. The tribe of Gilead was called out because they were playing it safe, so they didn't show up. The tribe of Dan was called out because they literally started sailing in the opposite direction. Yeah, the tribe of Asher was called out for keeping their distance. And I went, whoa, Lord, this was, I felt even last night, this is, I got wrecked at my kitchen table, like, I feel like this is a word from me. And I found myself, like, repenting, like, God, every way I've been playing it safe. Every way I want to sail in the opposite direction. And every way I kind of believe in something and I'm there, but then I keep my distance. Because I'm like, we'll see. Do you know what I mean? And I just felt like God was like, I need you to step out of the boat. I need you to keep your eyes on me. Don't play it safe. Don't sail the opposite direction. Don't keep your distance. And I just felt like, oh, that's the threshold we're in right now as the body of Christ. It's going, you know, sometimes we can go this God thing you know, it's, there's so many things that are controversial right now. Do I want to speak out about these things? Do I not want to speak out about these things? And I feel like God is saying, if you know my love, if you are driven by love, cross the line. Step out of the boat. We all know the story of Peter. God's saying, come on, Peter, get out of the boat. And he's like, this is water. What? Not doing that. Like, I'm going to sink. But when he steps out of the boat and keeps his eyes on Jesus, Peter stays on the water the second he takes his eyes off Jesus, sink. Eyes on Jesus, he's rolling in faith. And so I just feel like that's the question this morning is, it's, this is not at all like a rebuke. I feel like this is a house infused with faith. And I felt the invitation of the Holy Spirit say, I want to invite you into a deeper measure of faith because I want to see bold acts even more explode out of this church because this is a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. I remember when we first came here as circuit riders, it was like eight, nine years ago, and an amazing church, new song, Dave Gibbons, he's so welcome to sin. And as our as circuit riders began to grow and grow, young people started looking for a church that, you know, they wanted to go to. It's like, if anything's like 30 minutes away, people don't want to drive. So we're like, a new song so far. But then I remember, it was like two years ago, I started hearing the rumblings of people, I'm going to Presence OC. I'm going to Presence OC. Because DNA was meeting DNA. There's a faith here that causes people to want to come here to wake up. Do you know what I mean? It's like, so we were always like, what's Presence OC? I want to go to Presence OC. And it kind of became like this little like bug and circuit riders. And then everyone's like, people were doing evangelism at the pier. And we were like, we've never seen anyone else do it. We were the only ones that have been here. Who are you? And like, we're from Presence OC. And we're like, whoa, who is Presence OC? So I'm bringing, I'm saying this word this morning not to say like, Listen, you're really corrupted with unbelief and you need some faith. No, I'm saying like, thank you for having faith in Orange County. Thank you for being wild. Thank you for breaking boxes. Thank you for bringing, I know this is the first place Stephanie Gretzinger ever preached. This is the first time I've ever preached on a Sunday morning. Thank you for being willing to take risks on people. Thank you like, 
It's no, I'm I, I'm serious. Thank you for just going, God, we want you. But there is an invitation. And I feel like there's some of you even in here who you're like, but what about those of us that are called into different realms, like business, or maybe you're doing music outside of church world or worship, you know what I mean? That's real stuff God's doing. And I feel like favor is falling. Favor is falling for his glory. Favor, it's like God wants to pour, I really believe this, God wants to infuse the spheres of society more than we want to. God wants to see Hollywood. He wants blah, 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 all of it. He wants it more than we do. Yes, we pray. Yes, we cry out. But sometimes I wonder if the Lord is just going, listen, in that day when I pour out my spirit and I pour out favor, I can't have you confused where the glory belongs. And when you're called into those spheres, you have to know where the glory belongs. So I feel like there's some people in here where you are called outside of the ministry world. We all know that. But there are people in here, it's like, I, I really feel music and I feel business, but I feel like the favor is falling today and I feel like it's coming out of an alignment with lordship saying, God's going to do this. And when God does it, I'm not saying you got to get on a platform and be like, this is God and if I don't give him the credit, he's going to strike me down. But I'm saying, let your light shine and the father will be glorified. Let your light shine, and it draws men to Jesus. So I just feel like, Holy Spirit, we just ask for a favor. If that is you, if you're in business or music, like, and, and I mean music outside of kind of church music, can you stand up? If it's a one, two, three, four people. Okay, great. Lord, I just ask for favor right now to fall. I ask for open doors in Jesus' name. But God, I just say right now, for your glory, God, for your glory, we just break all discouragement, every way the enemy would want to come and steal, kill, and destroy. Lord, we just say the battle has been won, and we just ask for an outpouring of favor over these standing right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Okay, last little thing on faith is we all know this verse, James 1, 6. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Again, everything I'm sharing today is literally because like out of real seasons in my life where I'm like, why do I feel so pulled and tossed by the wind and confused and I have so much anxiety and I remember one time I literally went to the ER because I was like, I'm having a heart attack. I was under so much anxiety and stress and I got to the ER and they literally said, you need help. Your body is manifesting signs of blood clots and you have no blood clots. And I was like, nice. I was like, very cool, very cool. Um, and this actually wasn't that long ago. You know what I mean? But I went, where is this coming from? I know, I, like, what's going on? And that's what happens. It's like, it, maybe in your life it's not the idol of ministry. In mine it was, and I'm still learning about it. But when you let something take over your life where it replaces, it replaces Jesus' spot on the throne, you will have anxiety, <laughs> okay? You will have a lot of fear. You will have a lot of second guessing and you will be tossed to and fro by the winds and the waves. So I remember like my whole testimony in the last four to five years has been simplicity. It's like the more I return to simplicity, the simplicity of who Jesus is, the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of being childlike. It's like the more I actually feel like I can be the hands and feet of Jesus. 
You know, and it's like, I love so much, like, how God used this perfect little baby, and that is what he is, because he should have a lot of things wrong with him, and he doesn't. And when he goes to the doctor, the doctor's like, this baby's doing amazing. Oh, my goodness. And we're like, yes, he is, in Jesus' name. So it is amazing, yeah. And so I think don't ever let your yes bottleneck in what you think your life should look like. Because I think that's the moment I had. If I, because, you know, we got him in December. Our album came out in February, and then we were supposed to do a big tour. And it was like, I know saying yes to him, I had to let go of all that. And it was like such, I feel like I've fought for this. I've laid down so much for this. And now I have to just kind of let it go. And it's like, no one, to be honest, it's like, it's, this is the test of your secret place too. When God asks you to do something audacious that may be out of the box, it's the test of the secret place. Do you trust me? Do you love me? And then what's crazy is I'm like, well, you know what? We settled. I'm like, well, I'll still go on Outcry Tour. And Chase and I worked it out where basically Outcry Tour set it up where I would be gone for four days and home for three days. And then Chase would take him and we knew it was just going to be a sacrifice for three and a half weeks. And I remember thinking, oh, at least I have that to hold on to. You know, at least I'm going on outcry. Whew, praise God. Like, you know, it's with like Phil Wickham, Chris Kilala, Passion, so honored, right? I'm like, thank you, Lord. They called about six weeks ago, and they were like, obscure event, outcry's been canceled. And it was literally the last thing I was holding on to. And I just remember I went, okay. And I was like, my life is over, which isn't true. But, um, but it just even exposed more, like, it's like I was trusting God, but I was doing what this, keeping my distance. Like, God, I so trust you with my calling. I'm all in. I'm so grateful I'm on outcry because I don't know if God's going to come through or not. Ooh, like, woo Like, at least my music will get out now. You know what I mean? And it was like when that got taken away, it was like such a test of my heart because I went, this was kind of the last thing I was holding on to of all the hard work we've put into both albums. And it was the first tour we were going on outside of our own kind of in-house tour. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. And when that got pulled away, it showed me where I was keeping my distance, like the tribe of Asher. And I went, oh my goodness, this is so real. So that is literally those three things, the playing it safe, sailing the opposite direction, keeping their distance. I just feel like God is coming this morning and in his mercy and his great love for us. He's saying, I want to draw you in. I want to draw you in to where you want to distance yourself. I want to bring you in closer because what's coming is so beautiful. What's coming is so radical. What's coming is so amazing. He wants to put you in a, it's like, it's like he wants to stretch the new wineskin in this place. So when the wine comes, it doesn't burst. I'm not saying there's an old wineskin here, but I'm just saying there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. So if you can just stand up with me, if the worship team wants to come up. Oh, really? Oh, sorry. Never mind. You don't have to. Yeah, I mean, maybe just keys. There we go. Just keys. Everyone else, you rest. You, you chill. I get it. Honestly, when I got to come to church this morning and not do a sound check, I was like, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Um, Mike Bickle said one time, I don't remember the first thing, but I remember the second thing. He said, the two most annoying things in life are sound checks. And then I don't remember the other thing he said, but I remember being like, Yes, Lord, sound checks, so many hours. Okay, 
Um, I just want to do this. If you feel like, man, I, I so resonate with this and I want the more. I want to see unbelief just destroyed in my life. If that's you, can you just lift your one or two hands, just a hand. Thank you. Holy Spirit, we just say come right now. We just say burn all unbelief. Yeah, it's unbelief. It's uh, basically if you felt that, if you felt any way that's tried to come in and hinder the faith that God's given you, the gift of faith. So we just say, Holy Spirit, right now, if that is you, just begin to say, Lord, I just ask forgiveness. And this is the joy of repentance. Sometimes repentance has a negative deal with it. It's like the best, most exciting tool God's given us. So God, we just repent for our unbelief and giving into that. And we just ask right now that you would come in power. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just reign in power right now in Jesus' name. And we say, do it again in Southern California. God, pour a revival in Jesus' name. God, we just ask right now, every way we've distanced ourselves or hesitation, we just break all hesitation in the name of Jesus. We put it at the feet of Jesus, and we just say, fill us with boldness. Fill us with fire in Jesus' name. Let's just wait on him. Just open your hands to receive God, we just say we want the real thing. We want the real thing. Jesus confronts religion in the Gospels. He says, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We say we want to be a people of the heart. We want to be a people driven by love. We want to be a people so gripped with faith that when unbelief knocks on our door with great love and mercy, we can say, no, thank you. I know what God has said, and we are moving forward, and we are moving on. So Holy Spirit, I just ask right now you'd grip us. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.